Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. As always, it's the three of us, Barry, Adam and Paul, all recovering after a cold day in Stoke. How are we doing? I'm just about warming up. Yeah, it wasn't so warm there, was it? I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Right, Stoke City 2, Wigan Athletic, nil. Their goals are a 20-game unbeaten run. But every cloud has a silver lining. We're still 12 games undefeated in the league. Sunderland lost at home once again, this time to Doncaster Rovers. But we'll come on to that later on. So we'll concentrate on the Stoke game. There were goals... Penalty shouts, a couple of debuts for the Latics. Start with the goals first, I think. Major, tidy finish, quality finish, never mind the tidy finish. Fortunately, Jason Kerr slipped. And it weren't coming, but uh, a great finish. Good player, Major, isn't he? Uh, I think he, he went to playing abroad for a bit, didn't he, I think? And uh, he's come back. He obviously came through at Sunderland in news, I think, a few years ago. I mean, we'll come on to the second one in a bit, but the, you know, this, that's that quality, really. You know, make a mistake, maybe in League One, doesn't get punished, possibly. Obviously, gets punished, doesn't it? In when you're looking at top of the towards the top of the championship. Uh, but like you said, it wasn't really coming. Really odd game, really, because I thought we didn't create many chances, but I thought we had good control in the game throughout, really. Uh, even with 10 men. A bit of an odd game, really, but I think the Liam Richardson summed it up, didn't they? With They were just better in both boxes. No defence for me wasn't. I can see why the 12th, not in the top six. And I think it's more down to the defence rather than the strikers. We we, we edged the first half. The, their goal was a little bit against the run of play. Yeah, it's just one of them. For, you know, half-time, you think you're a bit frustrating. Maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll sort it out. The added frustration of the fact that were it not for a slip, we might well have defended the, the situation. I, I mean, I, I said last week that I wanted to get out of the game with a creditable performance and no real injuries. If we won or lost, we just take that as it came. A silver lining in the cloud of having been beaten is the fact that you don't have extra games to slot in somewhere in an already packed fixture list. I thought we, we had two credible penalty shots. First one for Ball, right in front of us, weren't it, that one? Cross came in. For me, his arm was out. He struck his hand and he went behind for a corner. The line was looking at it uh, and the referee gave a corner. Am yeah, I only thinking it was a penalty? There's VAR, that's a penalty, because he's he, the distance is enough. He's moved his hand into an unnatural position. So I think on the new interpretation of the handball, or I think that's a penalty. Blatant. Yeah, and then the second one, which was very confusing, Joe Bennett coming into the box. There's a ball, loose ball. The defender comes in with a high foot, catches Bennett mid-rift. They both go through the ground. Referee blows, penalty, and he gives a free kick. To Stoke City, and I was scratching my head. I really believe that was a penalty, or at least a free kick for us. But it was the free kick was given inside the box, so uh, it would have yeah. been a penalty. I don't think it was in the box, to be honest. I actually thought it was just on the edge of the box, but I can't see how it was went their way. I, yeah, I, I thought free kick on the edge of the box for me. The only thing that you could you could see it going their way was that their fella put his foot up to play the ball. So did ours, but ours was underneath. He realised he was second and pulls out. And then you give it for the fact that he even made an attempt. You know, it was definitely a high foot, definitely in a dodgy area. Yeah, I can see why you'd claim for a penalty. Definite penalty. Never mind pulling out. He cleaned him out. Bloody championship referees. It was a league one every day of the week. 
Bring back Chris Foy. <laughs> Four on that later. Into the second half, we took that 1-0. And we was in the game. We didn't create any, I don't think, any real clear-cut chances in that first half. We uh, were still very much in the game. Our new players, Glenn Rea and uh, Jamie McGrath, I thought were excellent. The, the first minute of the game, I don't know if you recall, with the uh, the challenge Rhea put in. I oh, thought, yes. My goodness, if he's going to he's not going to last 90 minutes here. But it was it was a fantastic blood and thunder challenge. But clean as a whistle, won the ball. Very solid, solid first game, wasn't it? It's very difficult to say so far because he's only played one game and Shinny's played three. For me, at the moment, I'd play him ahead of Shinny. I, I like Shinny on his debut. I think it was against Gillingham, but I don't. I think he's had a couple of iffy games since. Whereas. As I said, Reyes to me looked very accomplished, and everybody loves someone who goes in for one of those meaty tackles, don't they? If he's playing like that for a season, we'll need two players because he's going to pick up a fur share of bookings. I'm sure. Sam Marcy. Another, <laughs> another Sam Marcy, yeah. Which is, you know, you need, every successful team needs an Aston midfield player. Yeah. Do the David, Bat- David Batty, them sort of players. Jamie McGrath, who I thought grew into the game the, the longer it went on. Looks a bit of a find, very skillful on the ball, attack-minded. He looks a good player. Based on, on what he did yesterday, he's definitely going to give... Um... Liam some headaches in selection. I mean, that is exactly what you want from a player on a debut, isn't it? Yeah. He looks damn good. They brought on the top scorer substitutes, Jacob Brown, and within a minute, he put the ball in the back of the net. Another good finish. Uh, Jamie Jones, no chance with either goal. An excellent finish from, from Brown, I thought. Just a class finish, wasn't it, really? Got it out of his feet and, you know, played it into that, that spot that keepers can't get to, just right in the far corner. Yeah, fair play, good finish. And then petered out, didn't it, after that? Really? They brought uh, Stephen Fletcher on, didn't they, towards the end. He's trying his damnedest to score against us for Stoke City. I think he scored for every club he's played for, he scored against Wigan Athletic by yeah. Stoke City. His finishing was all over the shop, to be honest. Yeah, he missed a couple of decent chances, didn't he? Red card for Edwards. It was a second booking, but to be honest with you, I thought it was a straight red myself. <laughs> Two-footed, off the floor, bing, bang, bong. Yeah, oh, it, wow. was, it was definitely, uh, definitely a booking, wasn't it? Uh, no question. It, it was. There was. You can't argue. I don't think in the slightest. No arguments. A bit of frustration. Is it'll be suspended for the FA Cup next season, so there's no worry as far as the league matches go. Yeah, off he went. Uh, but again, it, it hurt him. It hurt him. The fact we were two 0 down, and that's what you want to see from your players. I think that. Uh, a little bit yeah. more controlled, perhaps, but you want to see that sort of aggression, don't you? Did we really create a chance? I think Josh McGuinness had an effort, didn't he, in the second half, in the first half? Yeah, McGuinness, sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but, but Matthew, was, Matthew was three, wasn't he, at one point, and got closed down a little bit. Yeah, I thought Matthew was, when we went down to 10 men, he was kind of like two players. <laughs> it was yeah. uh, it was all over the place yesterday. <laughs> he was just like, it's like when you got, what's he called, Kante, they always say with him, don't they, in midfield, he's always worth two players because he just runs all over the place. And I thought Massey was, did that yesterday really well. It was very good, Massey. Performance of the pitch out, uh, Glenn Rea, Jamie McGrath, Tom Bayliss, I thought, played decently. But Massey was a, very much a standout, like you said. And as we've gone through the man of the match, Paul, Gavin Massey has literally walked away with it. It's really good to see, especially after some of the comments in recent yeah. weeks about him. Yeah, there was there was some detractors behind us who give him a bit of hard time in the first half. They calmed down a bit in the second half and then disappeared early. So unlike them, he put in a full shift. 
The Progressive Unity listeners, man of the match, has voted for on both Twitter and Facebook is Gavin Massey. Just just quickly back to the, uh, I suppose it's, it's related to everything else as well. There were some notable absences, weren't there, from the team. I think McLean's got a bit of an injury. Presumably Asgard has, because I can't see how Asgard wouldn't have been in the squad. I mean, I would have put him down as a starter. Tom Naylor. I think Naylor would have been given a rest. I think similar with McLean myself. I think Naylor McLean rested. We were missing McLean, Naylor. What more, obviously. Tilty was on the bench. But I think they'd probably been given rests. They deserve it. There's a lot of games coming up. They're going to be in and out of that team, aren't they? They're going to be rotating. I think there'll be one or two mainstays, though, no matter what. And I can see Jack Wall playing every game. And if available... James McLean and Tom Naylor, I should imagine as well. Yeah, to, now, now, I mean, we've had some exceptional performances this season, haven't we? And obviously, like Langy as well. If Langy's fit, he plays every game. Two of the solid players this year. You know, the spine. I mean, really, if you the spine, superb. Really, when White was there as well. You know, White, Naylor, Watmore, Amos. You know, that is a good spine of your team, and then you. You know, around that, you have some quality players as well. So I think there'll be a lot of rotation in certain positions. But I, I think Liam Richardson will want five or six hardcore on every game. Uh, Max Power is another, isn't it? You want him in your team every week, don't you? The stats from yesterday, possession 52%. Shots, we had seven with two on target. Stoke had 19 with five on target. Fouls, we committed 12, Stoke 18. Yellows were two apiece, Kerr and Edwards for us. And obviously Edwards got a second one, which uh, gave him his red card. The attendance was 12,341 with officially 4,025 away supporters. Something at the news yesterday, a little bit of trouble. Promotion rivals, Rotherham. It's the third incident in three games for them uh, where something's come from the crowd. And what happened here was... Accrington Stanley had a very late penalty awarded. Some idiots jumped over the fence, run onto the pitch, booted the ball away, and then give Accrington penalty taker Harry Pell a clip in the face. Uh, Hallwell's broken loose, and uh, obviously he's been he's been caught. And there was another perpetrator as well who'd run on. They've both been caught and, and took off, arrested, I believe. Pell stepped up when everything calmed down and uh, he's had his penalty saved and Rotherham's ended winning the game 1-0. It seems a bit I of mean, a trend for, for our, our friends from South Yorkshire this now. I mean, there's two things for me. First of all, there's clearly a, cl- a crowd control issue there. You know, you'd think if there'd been incidents in previous games that they'd be certainly a lot more vigilant and they'd deploy their resources accordingly. You know, because they've got a duty of care, end of the day, to, you know, those players who are on the pitch. Secondly, in terms of the actual perpetrator himself, he's committed the criminal offence of entering the playing area. Like you said, it was a slap, but it's certainly a common assault. You know, with that will be a banning order attached to it. And, you know, for me, you shouldn't shouldn't watch a game again, because that, like I think Paul said off air before, the integrity of the competition where someone can go on. And, and actually have some sort of an impact on the game. The only ones who should be impacting the game are the, are the players, not the fans. You know, the fans uh, coming onto the pitch, it's just bad as it, it's bad anyway. But, you know, you cannot just about forgive a celebration, last minute goal. But that's just unforgivable, you know, actually but, attacking the player. I, I mean, with a celebration, you're, you're assuming it's just exuberance and nobody's got any, any malicious intent. That guy's obviously come on with the intent of putting the penalty taker off, which he has done. Nobody knows whether he would have gone on to score it or not had 
had it played out normally. But there's absolutely no question when he comes back to take that penalty 10 minutes later, he's had 10 minutes to stew over it. He's now worried about whether or not anybody else is going to do it. Absolutely no question that's affected him. You know, what happens if you do that in the last minute of a last game of the season where there's a relegation on the line? You know, you just you just cannot under any circumstances condone that sort of behaviour. You just can't. We're not going to get put back in cages like we were in the 80s, but what you might end up with is an absolute ring of stewards around the field. And, you know, in the 89th minute, I'm surprised there wasn't a ring of stewards already. Poor from Rotherham, really, you've yeah. got to say. You know, and, and I mean, he's the idiot, but it's not like it was unexpected because it's not an isolated incident. I, I think we've got to be seriously looking at, you know, charging with, uh, charging Rotherham with, you know, failing to control the crowd because... As I said, you, you know, it's now a pattern of behaviour, isn't it? So I suspect Atkinson didn't take a lot of fans, but imagine that if that was against us or Bolton, that could have caused a riot. You know, you, you, I'm convinced there would have been some fans running on the other way. You know, you know, it turns into a major public order issue. They've got to step up and they've got to be better with it. And also there was a, a problem at the Mark and B Bolton game as well, where there's been some racial abuse aimed at uh, the uh, players and the backroom staff as well as Bolton Wonders, which is totally unacceptable. The referee called a halt to the game, so it must have been quite serious. And they took the players off for 10 minutes. I don't even know what to say about it. It's just yeah, well, stupid. Again, again, it's just bang out of order, isn't it? You know, oh. you've you, you no idea what drives people to it because they know what's coming. There's basically, there's the football offences are basically got three main sections to regulate uh, fan behaviour. And over the course of this weekend, all of them have been breached. So you've got You've got the issues of racism, you've got the throwing of missiles and entering the playing arena. So you've got a full full set, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, And I suspect most of the alcohol ones would have been breached as well, like taking flares into grounds. We're away from the dark days now of the 80s, but it seems to be really creeping back in, particularly this season. You know, I don't know whether it's some sort of a new fan base post-COVID or, or people coming out, you know, from uh, sort of under the under the storms uh, where they've been for years and they've decided to, to get back watching football. But there's been lots of incidents this year. It's not isolated. It's every week now, isn't it? Yeah. And if that's enjoying yourself at football, you don't want to be going to the football. I see young young men, old men, young girls, old girls, having a whale of a time at the football, having a drink beforehand, being extremely boisterous and singing and chanting and shouting and, and laughing. And, and thoroughly enjoying it without overstepping that mark, without overstepping yeah. it. And we all know what marks they are. They are. And, and they go away, win, lose, or draw, and they've had a fantastic day out, and, and they've loved it, and they look forward to the next game. But like you said, there's there's something not right with, with what's happening at the moment. And I hate to say this, I really do, but yesterday I witnessed three things of a game with Stoke, which absolutely disgusted me. And so it's not something that's just a problem with other clubs. We have them within our fan base. And the cowards who were doing this wouldn't dream of doing it to my face or to your face or to the person they hit with a bottle wouldn't dream of doing it to their face. And they need to, their mates need to stamp them out because 
there's somebody stood at the side of them when they're throwing things, and they know exactly who it is, and they need to stamp it out before yeah. somebody yeah. gets seriously hurt. Like, like you say, there's there's a clear definition of boisterous behaviour to unacceptable behaviour. Quick one on there, while we're on there as well, toilet talk is different this week. Can't really blame it on Stork as such. There was uh, One of the toilets was completely out, out of order because a, a flare had gone off in it. I, I'm not going to mark Stork down for that. Uh, on toilet talk having to close a toilet because of uh, a flare going off is not good is it it shouldn't even be in the grain in the first place I mean again the, the person that's done that what are you getting out of that great there's a load of ticks that need a wee that can't have one yeah well done son we've had a little fixture rearranged at Portsmouth away will now take place on Tuesday the 26th of April which gives us at this moment because this is likely to change if we beat Sutton United April Second to the thirtieth, 28-day window. We've got Bolton at home on the Sunday, Accrington at home on the Tuesday, Lincoln away the following Saturday, Cambridge at home on the Friday, Ipswich away on the Monday, Plymouth at home on the Saturday, Portsmouth away on the Tuesday, followed by the last game of the season, Shrewsbury at home. That is eight games in 28 days. If we beat Sutton United and progress through to the final of the Papa John Trophy, the Bolton game will have to be rescheduled and that could possibly give us nine games in that period. That's some end of a season. We think February is tough, that, but that is some end yeah. of the season. Did you say Bolton was Sunday then, Barry? Saturday. I might have said Sunday, but I meant Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't think that would be a smart idea Wigan Bolton on a Sunday, but it, it's hectic, isn't it, Let's to say the least. <laughs> but uh, victim of your own success might be one way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, opportunity to keep all those players happy. I remember at the start of the season, we were talking to Liam Richardson at one of the fans' meetings, yeah. and I said to him, big squad, of course you play as their Liam. I said, are you going to keep them happy throughout the season? They said, you don't worry, they'll all be needed. You yeah. saw this. Back in August. And it, there was also the additional comment. He said, he, he said I much prefer this headache than actually working out who's actually turning up on a, on a Saturday each week, not knowing how many players I'm going to have to pick and whether I need to ring one at fans like Adam Benlubber to get his boots on. Right, talking of games, Tuesday evening, we're away to Wednesday. So on Tuesday, we're going over the hill to... Yorkshire, where we're going to meet Sheffield Wednesday. As usual, we've got an away fan to give us a preview, and he's a good friend of the podcast, but an even bigger friend of Adam, so I'll let you introduce him, Adam. Over to Kevin Carpenter, the legend that is Kevin Carpenter. I think he's probably the guest that's been on most, I think, previewing games, and obviously helps us a lot in administration with his expert legal uh, opinion. So over to you, Kev. It's uh, Kev Carpenter here, giving you View on Sheffield Wednesday ahead of um, this Tuesday's big game. Thanks again for having me on. Many times I've been on now, but great to be um, great to be back with you again. I suppose in in talking about Sheffield Wednesday, let's start with how our season's gone so far. I think in terms of from, from my perspective, I would have been happy with sort of playoffs. I think a lot of other people were demanding automatic promotion, mainly based on the size of the club and the fan base. I think. It's been an up and down season. I think there's no doubt about that. But somehow we've managed to stay sort of in the hunt for the playoffs. And um, after yesterday's game, we're sort of on the edge of the playoffs now. So that's really positive. And I think we're carrying we're carrying really good form into this Tuesday's game. Uh, we've won our last three. Uh, we've not conceded a goal with um, some of the reinforcements we brought in in January, which I'll come on to a bit later. 
Uh, and overall, in the last six games, we're, we're fifth in the form table. So uh, behind Wigan, who are third. Um, and I know that, obviously, being good friends with Adam I, I, and my um, former appearance on the pod, I, I follow Wigan's progress pretty closely. I know you had a pretty terrible COVID situation around Christmas. So you've got a lot of games still to play. But but I know that your form's been generally generally really good and had a great season since uh, since we played you earlier in the season. Overall, I would say that we're on the right path now and I think having given Darren Moore some time and I think that brings us nicely on to Darren Moore actually. I think it was a great appointment and people were pretty positive about him coming in, especially after the Tony Pulis, Gary Monk fiasco times. But now he's come in, I think we've really, uh, we're starting to show a real good pattern of play. We're solid at the back, which I think you would expect from a from a guy like Darren Moore who had a, who had a great career in all uh, sort of levels of English football and was always a great defender but certainly the fact we didn't get off to a flying start this season and then we've been as I say on, on sort of very much up and down there's been no real um, sign of consistent successful form until recently means that um, he's had his detractors and I think that's putting it mildly um, there was a real strong sort of swell of the support who probably wanted him gone in November December time for the first time, and I'm not a sort of fireman, get another manager in, quick fix solution type of person. By any stretch, I think you have to stick with managers and give them time. Um, but even I was starting to wonder, is this really going to work? Um, he brought in a lot of players in the summer, um, mainly on loans or on free transfers, because we were still under some, some form of embargo following the getting relegated out of the championship last year. To be fair to him as well, he's he's had, he had a terrible time with COVID. He was in hospital and in a really bad time towards the end of the season last year, which obviously didn't help us when we were looking to to stay up. And there was that crazy game against Derby at the end of the season. But I think that the fan base, generally speaking, obviously it's always the ones that are unhappy who tend to shout the loudest. Uh, I, I think over the Christmas period and coming into and January has been a really good time for us. I think that the people are pretty pretty happy with how things are going, especially with the business we did in January. Let's sort of talk about that and then I'll come on to some of the players you might want to look out for. So in January we brought in three players, uh, two centre-halves, so Jordan Storey from Preston and Harley Dean from Birmingham, both on loan. Harley Dean was a fantastic piece of business, I thought, and exactly what we needed in terms of leadership um, at the back, which is something we've kind of lacked really because we've had so many injuries and I've not really talked about that. I know a lot of clubs are always going about injuries. And this is probably a key part of sort of the season so far, to be honest. We're, we're missing 10 players um, at the moment through injury who would all start probably in the first 11 if you're picking your best first 11. So uh, having a whole team out is a real problem, especially given we've got from the 29th of January to the 5th of March, we've got 11 games in 36 days. And I think we're going to probably in a similar situation with all the postponements and FA Cup run, etc. We, we can't afford that many injuries really. And most of them are now medium to long term and Harley Dean was one of those so I think he'd only played one game done really well and then his second game went down after five minutes and he's now out for weeks apparently um, which is a which is a disaster really and sort of you, you know I, I was really pleased with him coming in so that's not great but Jordan Story, centre half from Preston he's played the last three matches when we've not conceded a goal so he, he's really fitted in well into what we usually play as a He's a three-five-two formation, or a, or a sort of a, a three centre backs, two wing backs, 
three and then kind of one one in a way um but that's that's the kind of formation which more tends to play um then coming on the last one we signed was a young guy from Arsenal called Tyrese John Jules who's a for a, a young forward uh, but he's also got injured in training so he's out for weeks um so really the only Jordan story you'll be seeing on Tuesday night in terms of the players we've already got that um that you might want to look out for on Tuesday's game George Byers so a central midfielder we brought in from Swansea in the summer uh, mid-twenties um, didn't feature a lot before Christmas but has come in recently um, and played really well alongside Barry Bannon and Nathaniel Mendes Lang we picked up on a on a free because he was unattached uh, former Cardiff Middlesbrough many of your listeners will know know him um, right winger um, and he's done really really well actually started off as most players do I guess when they come into a new team relatively slowly but in the last month he's been fantastic um, and he's only 29 years old so you know if we can and he, he's probably still sort of championship standard really so it was a good, good one to bring in and the other one who you won't have heard of who may well feature um, on Tuesday probably will because he started a few games and came off the bench and scored uh, in yesterday's win at Burton was a guy called Silla Sow he's a left winger centre forward from Holland who he picked up in the summer don't know much, didn't know much about him when he came in um, and he didn't feature again much in the first half of the season uh, because we had a couple of other low knees and also Sido Berahino um, who's really done absolutely nothing and been not a great signing I think you have to admit that when you bring in I think we brought in well over 10 players in the summer that some of them aren't going to work out and Berahino's certainly been one of those he's really had no impact whatsoever so Silla Sow's had his chance and he's really taken it so you'll probably see him on, um, on Tuesday Obviously, the the sort of big name player that sort of connects the two clubs is Josh Windass. For me, he's the best forward at the club and one of the best players in the squad. Um, but unfortunately, he's always injured. Um, he never seems to play more than two or three games at a time and then he's out for a month. Yeah, he's fantastic, but he's one of the higher earners. And I was only saying to a friend of mine the other day, that another Wednesday fan, that you know if this injury situation continues, you'd have to say... You know, we can't really afford to keep somebody on the books who's playing so little but costs so much. So, yeah, the the fan base love him. He always plays well whenever he plays. Scores goals, creates goals. He's he's too good for League One. There's no doubt about that, in my, in my opinion. But always injured, so that's the sort of issue we wind us. So he won't be playing on Tuesday. Um, my favourite Wednesday Wigan memory is probably the most recent game, actually, back in September for a, for a few reasons. Of course, Wednesday won, and we've actually had a decent record, particularly at the DW in recent times um, but for me it was the first away game I've been to post-Covid really and um, it was a full end Tuesday night great atmosphere two good teams um, we were lucky I thought really to win overall especially sort of we were out you know it was it was a good game um, and I, I thought a draw probably would have been fair but we scored um, uh, some good goals and uh, it was a big win so and I think bringing us on to my predictions for this Tuesday, I think it probably is the biggest game of the season for us so far. Um, we've got this momentum, we've got an excellent home record, so we've got 28 points from 13 games at home, and we've only lost once, which I think we're one of only two or three teams in the whole of the Football League and Premier League to have done that. And I think they'll, given, you know, Wigan score a lot of goals, but we've got good defence, we've started to score pretty decently, getting a lot of contributions from midfield. There'll only be a goal in it, I reckon. And I'm going to go for... Um, Another two-one win for the Owls on this occasion. I'm glad to see we're going to have been doing well, and I, you know, I'm a Liam Richardson fan. Having been say my sort of second team's Chesterfield and the Paul Cook connection, so I'm glad he's taken on the managerial job. And obviously that 
Wigan are out of their financial issues and on a on a surer footing now and always looking out for the results. So um, safe travels to all of you uh, from the podcast and all Wigan fans who are coming across to Sheffield. And um, yeah, let's hope for a good game and um, I'll speak to you again, I'm sure, next time our paths cross. Thanks very much. Yeah, so a few interesting points there within that. I mean, clearly Sheffield Wednesday is struggling with injuries at the moment and one particular player was highlighted there, out injured. Uh, Josh Windass, who by all accounts is better than Messi. But uh, yeah, in all seriousness, he, he's clearly doing well at Sheffield Wednesday when he plays. Not much use really, is it, if you're only playing seven or eight games a season, you know, which is pretty much what he's racked up so far. So it's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's always going to be interesting at Sheffield Wednesday. Coming to the stats, he's played seven games. I don't believe these stats, though. He's played seven games, scored four goals and one assist. But I don't believe he's got an assist because he never passed the ball, did he, when he was uh, Wigan Athletic. So how can, he, how can he get assist if you're not passing the ball? Miss it, he's shot. Ah, that's how it works. <laughs> right then, let's have a ref watch uh, for the Sheffield Wednesday game. The referee will be Mr Tim Robinson from West Sussex. And he's been on the national list of referees since the 2012-13 season. And he's refereed us five times in the past. Tim Robinson's last Latics game was our 3-2 win over Blackburn in the Cup back in January. I'm sure we all remember that one. Of his five Latics games, three have been at the DW and we've won them all, including Sheffield Wednesday on the opening day of the 2018-19 season, which was another 3-2. The other two away games, yeah, we lost both the away games when he's refed us. Robinson refereed Sheffield Wednesday twice last season, both times at Hillsborough, and both times it ended goalless. His card watch for 2021-22 is 24 games, 105 yellows, 5 reds and 5 penalties. That's Tim Robinson, the referee, for the game against Sheffield Wednesday. The first meeting against Sheffield Wednesday, 13th of December 1975, a 2-0 defeat at Hillsborough in the FA Cup. Last meeting was a 1-2 defeat at home on a Tuesday back in late September. Max Powers, uh, in inverted commas, great on goal and a nice finish from Patterson before Charlie White, 81st minute penalty gave us hope. When Sheffield Wednesday are currently 7th with 49 points from 29 games, Recent form is very good. They've won four of the last five games. Back to Barry for the predictions. Predictions. They beat Burton away on uh, on Saturday. They've got a really good old form. Like you said, they're, they're flying at the moment. I think our players are going to come into this game slightly rested, having had most of the week off. So it's going to be a good game. We've never had a draw against Sheffield Wednesday. It's never been goalless. I'm very tempted to send nil apiece. But I won't. What I'm going to go for is Sheffield Wednesday nil, Wigan Athletic one. I think, I think the, the the recent form's a little bit deceptive because actually, when you say they've won four out of the last five, they've won four out of the last seven and lost the other three. So the very recent form is good, but you go back a few more games and it's not quite so good. I think we need revenge for for them doing us at our place. So I will go two one Latics. Shocking record at Hillsborough, really, aren't, aren't we? We've we've had that one, we had that three 0 win, didn't we? When we had to replay the game after the uh, the downpour, I think that was back in 2014. Last few times has been uh, we have we haven't really troubled them. Is it a bit of a different team now? I think it is. 
to what we've what we spent previously. Maybe it's uh, we've got that winning mentality away from home, I and mean, it could be compared to Paul Jewell when we went to Stoke, having never won there before, and he got that win in the title winning season. Uh, sorry, the promotion season. It's time to turn it around, you know, and I think. Now I'm going to go up 2-1 to Wigan. That's the full programme on Tuesday evening. I'll read through the uh, fixtures quickly. Accrington Stanley v Oxford United. AFC Wimbledon Rotherham. Cheltenham Sunderland. Crew Alexander Plymouth Argyle. Toncaster Rovers play Ipswich. Fleetwood play MK Dons. Gillingham are at home to Cambridge United. Lincoln City and Morecambe. Pompey play Burton Albion, Sheffield Wednesday Wigan Athletic, as we know. Wickham Wanderers are at home to Shrewsbury Town and Bolton play Chelton Athletic. Honestly, can't see Sunderland get anything at, Ch- at Cheltenham. I think Rotherham are going to draw down at Wimbledon. If we get the win, we're back in box seat. Yeah, absolutely. And we're still in a good position. I think most, I think all the teams would swap with us still where we are, you know, and uh, certainly the sides below us in the table definitely would. Uh, and then it's just debatable whether Rotherham would swap with us. But yeah, I think it's a big push now. You know, February is a busy month, isn't it? This is the business end of the season, but it's what we're in it for, isn't it? Ex- excitement. We've got to embrace it as fans and players. Get that promotion secured. On that note, very positive. Up the six. Come on.